welcome to Making the Lemonade with Abby Brown and Lossie Trick. A positive news podcast proving that when life gives you lemons, there's always an opportunity to make lemonade. Abigail, you're back. The team is back together. Yay. In business. <laughs> Sorry I've been away, but Jessica Trick, thank you for filling in. You did an amazing job. Had me laughing quite a lot, especially about the biscuit, the bee on the biscuit where you thought <laughs> it was human on the biscuit. That actually was a highlight of mine, I have to say. Amazing. I was so confused. I was so confused. I was like, what is wrong with this sadistic little girl just trying to sit on the feet? I could, I could hear it in your voice. I was like, she doesn't get it. She thinks the humans are the bee. And that's what made me laugh even more because I knew you just didn't get it. <laughs> um, also, welcome back. You've just touched down from Canada after a very successful tournament, tournaments tour what would you call it yeah tour couple of tournaments to have indeed we had a two weeks out in vancouver and then edmonton which was good fun vancouver the lovely parts uh never been to edmonton before not much to do but then we were in a little lockdown of the hotel so i mean we tend not to have too much in a hotel um but was very successful we won both tournaments i will say um, and yeah, had a new group of us and kind of really good, kind of good vibes and everyone seemed to, to have a good fun. So enjoy themselves. That's all you can really ask for, isn't it? Absolutely. And the apologies for anyone who might live in Edmonton. I can't remember if we had any listeners from Canada yeah. last season, Hopefully but we not may not Edmonton. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it's nice. Edmonton just wasn't, I mean, granted we were in a hotel, but it just didn't mm-hmm. give me wow factors, you know? Maybe I didn't sure. see enough of it. Sure. Who knows? But how have you been? You've been good? Wisdom tooth out. Um, and I was, yeah, not for six abs, not, not for six. A low pain threshold <laughs> and um, an infection, complication, the whole shebang. Uh, but now I am getting back fit and ready, ready to go. Uh, but glad we didn't have to record last week, I have to say, because I'm not sure I would have been able to speak. So yeah. we've done well with our timing this week, Bless for sure. You. We have. Back from Canada, teeth are all good. Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> we also have some exciting news. Would you like to share with the listeners? We do. We have extremely exciting news. Um, for the first time on this podcast, we are going to be interviewing um, an extremely impressive person. Um, it is Sarah Cox, who is the first female referee of a Premiership men's rugby game. It's absolutely uh, groundbreaking, um, if not a long time in the making, but fantastic nonetheless, and we cannot wait to hear from her uh, directly. So really, really exciting stuff. So wait till the end um, of the podcast we'll be doing our normal positive stories and then we will be talking to Sarah hopefully our interview skills will be up to scratch but (laughs) (laughs) well you're obviously great at interviewing you've had that media training so it'll be interesting to see that obviously you can bring that to the table yeah yeah uh, hopefully that will be my expertise in the um the duo but i'm not sure <laughs> very exciting news and definitely yeah our first guest hopefully one of many so 
let us crack on with our positive stories um on with the show so my first story is actually about some animals um mm-hmm. and tinder mixed in one <laughs> wow oh my goodness it's gonna go down a dark and weird turn i hope it doesn't (laughs) yeah as i said that it does sound a bit wrong doesn't it (laughs) i promise it's not like that i promise (laughs) oh god good start so there is a german animal shelter and it is posting profiles of a of adoptable pets on tinder so any single people wanting a new pet can now swipe right the munich animal welfare association has taken a unique approach to matching its residential adoptable pets with their new forever homes the shelter hired a local advertising agency to snap some professional headshots for 15 cats and dogs before posting them julian moss of the mawa said the response is insane it's exploding everywhere there was a high rate of adoption over the pandemic now things are starting to open up that is obviously slowing down which i did actually hear a lot of people adopting animals over the pandemic i'm not sure if you heard about it um and obviously now people are going back to work they're actually putting them back up for adoption which is obviously very sad because that's not how pets are are loved but hopefully you can't have a puppy for christmas eh, ab is can't have a puppy for for christmas i don't know how you could just have a puppy for a short amount of time like you surely would get attached. I would be, God, be I'd have attachment yeah, issues. You, yeah, you, you couldn't do that. I really would. <laughs> um, but Benjamin Bielik, who works on Tinder's communication team, added, we hope these animals really find a new partner, a perfect match no. in the long term <laughs> and not just for a few weeks. Did you like that? <laughs> perfect. Stupid face. Interesting. Because if we're going to get quite deep with it, um, there is something about online dating which is quite flippant and you can be quite, um, you know, you dip your toe, you delete the app, you don't talk to them, you ghost, da-da-da-da-da. And it's encouraged quite a casual mindset towards commitment. So all I'm saying is I hope that isn't the case with the animals. And you think, yeah, I'll have a minute. I'll, I'll get yeah tuesday yeah. night yeah i'll grab myself a puppy oh by friday i've done my time don't want it anymore not yeah yeah so that's the only thing i will say not to dampen that very lovely story yeah wow. but i do hope that that um continues to be a positive yeah i get what you're saying i do get what you're saying i do think probably the way that tinder wants it to be i might be speaking out of term here but don't want it just to be a casual dating thing i think they're trying to look for people to make a match made in heaven so i get what you're saying but i do believe that wasn't tinder's you know casual dating here you know that's not their selling title you know isn't it is that literally not what tinder is no idea. <laughs> <laughs> i just assumed it wasn't what did you think it was like marriage material on this app? I think people, yeah, I don't know. Surely that's why people go on, like, do you know what I mean? I think there's many reasons, and, and I think maybe now one of them is find your pet. <laughs> <laughs>
great fantastic and maybe and hopefully it will be very successful i really hope it is yeah you never know So the BBC has reported that President Xi Jinping announced China will not build new coal fire projects abroad in his address at the United Nations General Assembly. China has been funding coal projects in countries like Indonesia and Vietnam under a massive infrastructure projects known as the Belt and Road Initiative. But it has been under pressure to end, these, end the financing as the world tries to meet the Paris Climate Agreement targets. The president said, set up support for other developing countries in developing green and low carbon energy and will not build new coal-fired power projects abroad. No further details were provided at the time. I have to point out, I put this together a couple of days ago, so that might have changed now. Um, but the move could limit the expansion of coal plants in many developing countries under China's Belt and Road Initiative. The BRI, as it's known, has seen China fund trains, roads, ports and coal plants in numerous countries, many of them developing nations. I have an issue with the term, but that is how BBC are referring to those countries. Um, for the first time in several years, however, it did not fund any coal projects in the first half of 2021. China is also the world's largest greenhouse gas emitter and is heavily reliant on coal for domestic energy needs. The president mentioned promises made last year about China achieving peak emissions before 2030 and then transitioning to carbon neutrality by 2060. The head of COP26, the United Nations Climate Change Conference, Alex Sharma, due to be held in Scotland next month, also applauded the news, saying, it is clear the writing is on the wall for coal power. I welcome President Xi Jinping's commitment to stop stopping building new coal projects abroad, a key topic of my discussions during my visit to China. <laughs> I think that's great, because I always think, I've watched like, all these different things, but... China and these big countries actually cause so much of the problem and are so much of the issue. So actually the fact that they're doing something about it is great. And it's definitely yeah, this a is, really good sort of step in the right direction. This is hugely significant, hugely significant. Yeah. And hopefully they can make potentially further comment regarding their um, carbon neutrality during COP. This is a huge, huge positive step. Um, so yeah really really exciting the first one in a while i can be a little doomsday on the environment that i felt like um this this is really really positive so yeah good stuff so los angeles is the latest city to experiment with microhomes these provide secure accommodation for homeless people while they find their feet. Small but perfectly formed houses in white, yellow, blue and pink sit in short rows while geometric blocks of red, green and blue cover the asphalt that separates them. It's very bright, wonderful colours um, in this area. Fabulous. Lyria Architects, a firm with the, the philosophy No Throwaway Spaces, has unveiled two vibrant villages of microhomes this year using space that would be passed over by other developers for its size, shape or lack of infrastructure. The Chandler Street Tiny Home Village opened in February, featuring 39 pallet shelters on an awkwardly shaped leftover site. 
The Alexandria Park Tiny Home Village is capable of housing 200 residents in 103 one to two person units, which followed in April, with two more villages under construction in the city, offering 374 additional beds. With the two bridge home facilities we already have, and with the two additional cabin villages we're building right now, we will have enough capacity to shelter every single unhoused person who is currently living on a sidewalk in my district this year, said Paul Gregorian, a member of the LA City Council in the second district. The villages also include space for collective dining, areas for washing clothes, pet playgrounds, shared bathroom facilities and secure storage. But LA aren't the only places that are using microhomes as a bridge housing. Last year, six dwellings were launched in Cambridge, and there are also plans to build these homes in Bristol. Ken Craft, CEO of Hope of the Valley Rescue Mission, said, A tiny home gives people a real sense of independence and security. To me, it allows all people, but especially women, to take a deep breath, regroup, and start living again, instead of just surviving. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a fantastic initiative. Photographer Jenny Lewis has been working on one project for four years throughout the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Lewis's work, entitled 100 Years, Portraits of a Community Aged 0 to 100, captures the portraits and stories of Hackney residents at every age from birth to 100 years. And it reveals not just the neighbourhood, but the deep sorrows, fierce joys and many contradictions that are all that all our lives contain. Positive News reports the initial idea was simple, to photograph 100 individuals aged 1 to 100. Apart from their age, the only other stipulation was that they lived in the same East London borough as the photographer. Jenny Lewis's approach owed more to serendipity than science. A handful of her subjects she met through friends. A few were sent her way. The mayor of Hackney helped with a call out on Twitter, but most Lewis just bumped into while out and about. As she notes, it's incredible how generous people are with their time and their stories. I'd come back from shoots feeling I had a shot of adrenaline. For the next five years, prints of the 100 separate images will be exhibited on the wall of the three-storey high atrium of the Britannia Leisure Centre in Hackney Shoreditch Park. As Lewis notes, they are all just my neighbours. It shows you don't need to look very far to be inspired by people. That's cool. Maybe we should go and have a look at it when it's up and running. Absolutely. Let's go. So obviously, as we mentioned earlier, we're very fortunate to have our first guest on our podcast, Sarah Cox, um, who not only is an ex-student of Cliff Vale, like myself and Lottie, big up Cliff Vale, um, is also a professional international rugby referee. She's very well known in both the men's and women's game, and rightfully so. She's an awesome person, as well as being an outstanding at what she does. She means two Olympics, Commonwealth Games, World Cups, and multiple league games. However, on Saturday, she made history once again as she took charge of a men's Premiership League rugby match, the first female to ever do so. So firstly, a huge congratulations another unreal achievement for you personally 
And I know I've been very fortunate to watch you grow as a fresh in the professional game, but also to see how hard you work as a mate. So welcome to the podcast. Obviously, another milestone, I'm sure, in your life. But <laughs> this was up there. This was up there for surely. Hundred percent. I move things around in the diary to make sure I can come on. But let's start with you. How are you? How's things? How's it been? amazing amazing it's been unbelievable and especially the reaction from people as well like i did not expect half of what i got i thought there'll be a little bit of interest there'll be a little bit of sort of okay nice nice accolades then sort of move on but no i don't think anybody's moved on yet and everybody's still interested and i'm still buzzing from the weekend to be honest that's good did it all go okay though no yeah, dodgy yeah, calls or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know me, and there's always dodgy calls when I'm involved. <laughs> so come on now, let's face it. No, no, like the review went really well. Um, we sat down, kind of gone through everything, um, sort of signed off and said, yeah, okay, cool. We've we've sort of achieved what we wanted to achieve. Nothing major came out of it, which was really nice. And yeah, we can move on to the next thing and and hopefully do better and than what I did last time so it'll be pretty cool and hopefully a lot more games for the men's premiership under the belt as well soon to to be had well fingers crossed may I ask for the not uh, professional rugby players or professional referees amongst us why why <laughs> is this a big deal and why is it taken maybe so long to get to this point so the big deal side of stuff is because it's never happened before. So there, we've seen the likes of um, Joy Neville and Holly Davidson. Um, those guys have come through the sort of Pro 14 side of things, but it's never happened in the Premiership and especially with the Gallagher Premiership as well. So it was a bit of a landmark occasion that for as long as it's been going, we've now got to a point where we're, we're sort of seeing me come through with the, the female side of stuff and hopefully bringing other people through as well to, to sort of join that. So yeah, that's why it's the, the big milestone. Um, as to sort of where the sort of time has come from and, and why it's in, in your words sort of taking so long, I guess it's one of those things where like players, you've got to go through a selection process. So you've got to, you've got to get to a certain point where they're comfortable that you can perform in that environment. And also if I, if I'm not, then it's doing a disservice to the players as well. So it's about sort of getting to that point where you've got enough experience, enough understanding of the game and how the game should work. And basically then putting you in there when, when you're ready to do it. Fantastic. I feel enlightened. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take it back a little bit to obviously the start of your kind of career and kind of how it began and how you got into rugby and kind of, yeah, how you became a referee. Yeah, so it started with the humble beginnings of of being a player. Um, And I kind of went through doing all the the sort of Devon regional stuff, Um, went through, I guess at the time, women's rugby wasn't really on the map. So when I came through, it was sort of setting things up and sort of badgering teachers, can we have, have a female rugby team? And then going into Exeter Saracens when they started up, and absolutely I know that you've gone through there as well, is that it was of a time where we needed to start making sort of teams happen and people getting involved. So I did all of that sort of stuff. I came out the age grade stuff into, into sort of women's and then um, took a bit of a knock in a England trial and it wasn't career ending. It was nothing that, that was too serious. If, if anything, I was, I was, I needed to man up a little bit, I think. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so like 
while I'm waiting for the medics to come on, I sort of thought to myself, like staring up at the sky, thinking this is probably not for me anymore. I don't, I don't think I was having a bit of an epiphany in the middle of a rugby pitch while I'm waiting for a medic to help me <laughs> up. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. Like I've been burnt on the wing by scars. I tried to do a tap tackle. I've come up with a face full of mud. I've also now hurt myself. I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I think looking back now at the sort of ripe old age that I am, I sort of realised that my heart really wasn't in it. And I'd have been quite happy NFL style, come on, kick the ball, go off again. But there's a lot more to rugby than that. So I sort of had to find a different different avenue. So had a look at coaching, wasn't really enough experience that I had. I didn't really know me as a person. So I couldn't be involved in then sort of helping other people find themselves. And I didn't think that was fair either. So sort of had a look at this referee and lark and thought well that looks like good fun keep me out in the middle of the pitch keep me running round, and uh blow and behold here i am today and hell of a cv for it (laughs) (laughs) to be honest i've kind of done it all by accident so when i started like none of this stuff was on the map so it was never it was never sort of oh i'll get into refereeing because i can and because i will go on to do stuff it was oh I'll have a go at refereeing because I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy the people that I'm around. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of keep going. And then all of a sudden things started rolling in. So it was sort of getting involved in the women's international stuff. Then it was getting involved in like when the sevens went on to, to the Olympics and stuff and rugby Europe and things like that. And then it just started gathering momentum. And as it went on and on and on, I, I, I then sort of like, oh, I'll have a go at that. Oh, okay, I'll have a go at that. And lo and behold, I've now stood in the middle of a Trail blaze through. I'll have a go at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is really awesome. Um, it really is. And kind of, I guess, kind of touching then on the 7s, 15s stuff, how does refing differ for 7s to 15s? Because obviously a lot of our listeners probably don't know rugby as well. And obviously they are very two different sides of the game. So kind of, how different is it and do you do you find do you prefer one or the other or kind of yeah the differences with it yeah so so two of them obviously seven seven aside and there's a lot of room for people to run around so it means then my life gets a little bit harder where I have to keep up with everyone so I think we spend probably 90% of our time at our absolute maximum just sprinting and it's it, everyone goes oh it's only seven minutes each way I I, I oh. I challenge anybody to do seven minutes each way sprinting. <laughs> and especially as well when somebody decides that they're going to make a break. And um, I distinctly remember the Commonwealth Games and um, we had gone through like lots of extra time and we got to this point where um, New Zealand are camped in their own 22. And I thought like, how are we going to get out of here? Because they're just going back and forth, back and forth. I was like, you know, as, as New Zealand do. And uh, I turned and I looked at the defensive line of Australia and then all of a sudden this gap opens up and Kelly Brazy's got this ball in her hands and I'm thinking, my God, she's going to go through this. And off she went. And I honestly swear to you, I thought I was running into treacle. And all I did is all you can see as well. So I've just got my head down. I'm running. and I have no idea what direction I'm running in. <laughs> and I just keep pumping. And everybody's doing the same. And we're all like, we're all like, um, so like a little um, toy car running out of battery because we get to the other end. <laughs> all of us and I give this, I give this <laughs> and I swing around and I've given this try and I think it's myself 
I like I don't know where I am and what's happening right now because like I am so tired I am so tired and so we get to, to the end of it and the changing room tunnel was just to the right of me so the players went off further down and then I went off like basically further up and I turned to the um, Alhambra that was running touch for me and we were in extra time and I said is that it I said, I've got no idea because I like it's golden point in extra time. And I didn't realize that. And I was like, is that it? And she's like, yes, yes. <laughs> Get game. me off the pitch. And I literally, and I ran through the tunnel and I just sat down in the, in the, um, in the change room. Didn't move for about 10 minutes. I can breathe. I can like, and honestly, so like sevens is punchy. It's real quick. It's real kind of like, um, every moment matters. Whereas 15s is you've got so much more to, to sort of work with. So there's obviously 15 aside, there's a lot more time to play around with. You can sort of move decisions around and do and, and like make decisions that sometimes just won't have an impact on what you do and it won't have an impact on the players. Whereas in sevens, every single decision matters and it it matters exactly where you are, who has possession, so on and so forth. And 15s it, it kind of you have a little bit more to play with. And uh yeah, but you still get pretty tired in 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 15s as well. But as to <laughs> Which one I enjoy more, like they both have got some pretty cool um, sort of sides to them, especially with sevens running around in sort of hot countries and enjoy yourself out there. And then the 15s just, 15s is just pretty cool as well, to be honest. Sorry, that was a very long winded answer. But no, the story no I loved well. it. <laughs> I loved it. We love, a sto- we love a good story on this podcast, oh. so don't you worry. <laughs> um, it's kind of going back to the weekend then. So, do you think it's probably up there with one of like the best games you ever done? Like how nervous were you? What kind of, what were the emotions kind of flowing around when you were kind of about to take charge? Probably one up there with one of the best environments and the, the, the sort of moment of environment that you're in. And it was kind of like, there were two ways it could go. You kind of get pretty excited about it or you could be really really nervous and for whatever reason it was excitement that was just sort of like I want to get out there and and have a go at it sort of thing and um the two guys that I was working with on the pitch and the TMO as well just sort of absorbed a lot of that nervousness for me and took that away from me and made my life so easy so I just had to literally turn up lace my boots up and get out there and um I stood in the tunnel I was like cool this is really happening now this this there's no turning back we're like we're going and um the harlequins team went out and i followed behind them and they've obviously got their tunnel with everybody in there and i appear at the other side of this tunnel and there's fireworks going there's like cannons like these bloody fire cannons going and i think to myself like take two seconds just to look around and i stood in the middle and just i did like basically a pirouette and my mum was like, what are you doing? What were you doing? I was like, mother, there are like 15,000 people in here. I'm going to take that moment in for a second. So you were very old to doing a pirouette. I look around and I was just like, I think the one thing you realise in, in COVID, obviously, is like, all of these moments can be taken away from you so easily. So I was like, I'm going to absorb as much as I possibly can just to make sure that if this never comes around again, I can hold on to that forever. 
and um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. And I, I don't know how to describe it so that everybody else can feel what I felt, but it was just like it was amazing. It was so cool. I guess so. that's what makes it so amazing, though, as well that no one else is gonna know how you feel in that moment. Um, I think I saw a video as well, like of you just like smiling, and like to us, that's obviously super cool because you like actually you are just taking it in, and like you said right over COVID and stuff, we never had those moments, we lost those moments, but now actually you get to experience it again. And I think hopefully most people will take moments like that and just really um, embrace each part of it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, also like those moments when you say, oh, you see me smiling and stuff, I caught sight of myself on the big screen. And I was like, <laughs> my mum is not gonna forgive me if I'm stood there and I'm like this, like concentrating. <laughs> I've got this like default face when I'm refereeing where I just frown and wander around. And so I was like, smile, you're on the camera, like everyone can see you right now. Like, <laughs> it's so cool. embarrassing because you can see, and then you're like, again, you're pirouetting because you know where the camera is. <laughs> it just keeps following you around. <laughs> don't look, don't look. <laughs> I mean, oh, I would like you God. to work some pirouettes into your game next yeah. time you're on television. Okay. I think we, we maybe we do a little try. Yeah. Try pirouette. Right. <laughs> see what I can do, guys. See what I can do. And my last question for you, Sarah, is what do you hope this will mean for women in this profession? I'm I'm sort of hoping in in a way that it sort of shines a light on refereeing full stop, um, because I think there's there's a lot of unknowns with us and there's a lot of of sort of okay well what do you actually do because sometimes some people think you come in to ruin their day and go home again and you're not you put so much more into the back like yeah exactly. <laughs> But you, you put so much more into that, like behind the scenes and the training that you have to go through, the, the, the sort of travel that you have to go through, the um, review processes and things like that is like, I hope that people pay a little bit more attention to that and understand a little bit more that it's not all about sort of coming out and just blowing a whistle and just making decisions. There's so much more that goes into it. And Hopefully, even if, if one person at the sort of end of it says, actually, I understand more about rugby now because I saw what Sarah did or I saw what Wayne did or Tom, those people, then I think we've done our job then. But I think it's just a massive education piece, to be honest. And like, absolutely coming into, into sort of camp with you guys and like entering those sort of pain caves when you're doing god knows what exercises and trying to cling on in there and but you know that you're trying to make yourself fit so that you can fit into that game and stay connected with that game so it's no different we just don't take contact what we do is is try and stay on our feet and if we do take contact you're in the bloody way <laughs> <laughs> so true <laughs> no, very quickly <laughs> i do very think it's quick. amazing though i i do i honestly do think it's amazing because obviously a woman in the, in the game and kind of you are trailblazing for for other women and I think it's really important that if that whole can't can't see it can't be it and I do think you doing games like you did at the weekend actually for women it's an amazing achievement as well and actually is a role model you're a role model to a lot of women out there and I think it's huge that you are 
being put in that position where you should be should have been in my opinion a very long time ago because you're very good at what you do <laughs> like you know but no seriously I do I think it's a really it's a huge achievement and honestly like yeah super proud of proud of you and I hope we can see you more in the middle of the field I hope so that is the <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to be moving to Exeter now because I think there's something in the water we're, we're growing be. some talent down there so unbelievable you got two you got myself and luke pierce down here the referee and side of stuff abby you're you're homegrown there lots of your homegrown down here like i it's very much on par with the next yeah lots isn't with us i'm pretty sure what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) sarah i really appreciate you throwing my name in there that's great she'll hold on to this now forever you know that right 100% 100% we got we got like us us Cliss Vale Mafia have got to stick together <laughs> got to stick together <laughs> thank you so much Sarah for your time it was absolutely fantastic and you are as Abby says exceptionally inspirational so what a way to round off this episode Abigail yeah huge thank you Coxie and I'm sure we'll see you soon um honestly thank you so much for taking time to come on our fabulous podcast thank you for having me and and thank you for allowing me to be your first guest i'm quite honored you you should be you really should (laughs) (laughs) oh my god what an episode god what an interview sorry guests what an honor what a moment god it's been it's been a whirlwind and i've loved every second of it i think it's great we've got our first guest on um it was really cool talking to her obviously i know her from outside a little bit more as a mate but actually to hear hear her talk about the weekend and kind of how she actually is a real role model within the sport is is super cool um and obviously as ever if everyone or anyone um still with us listening to our podcast all our stories are in the show notes and if you want to find out any more information and yes, we hope you really enjoyed this episode. Something slightly different, but really hope you enjoyed it. So let us know what you think. Bye. Bye.